This has been a real journey. Uh, we've been building Fable for four and a half years. I'm going to walk you through the vision. Uh, I'm going to throw a couple of arrows as well, because I think the, the positive of us all being together is to raise issues and, as an industry, try and, try and fix them or resolve them. So I'm going to try and give you as truthful and transparent overview as to what it's like building a beverage from, from my side of the world. Uh, I don't come from the traditional uh, cannabis industry. I had uh, 15 years on Madison Avenue working for a, a global marketing firm called Omnicom, uh, where I worked predominantly on the Diageo business. Uh, so I saw from kind of the inside out what it takes to, to launch a brand. And we, we being my wife and I, uh, Five or six years ago, I was at an Omnicom leadership summit in Aspen, and all these CEOs of these global agencies got together, and everybody drank their, their cocktail or their whiskey or their beer. And one by one, I watched people walk off to a bush. A plume of smoke appeared from the bush, and these CEOs would walk back with big kind of glazed eyes and pick up their drink and keep talking. And I thought, hang on a minute, there's something amiss here. There's a tension between alcohol and cannabis, even in a legal state as it was at the time. And that was really the impetus for what I'm about to, to show you today. If we can uh, kick, kick the slide on, I think I've, I've done the introduction. We can keep going. So the, the talk track, as I say today, is, is I want to share the company vision with you of Fable, uh, an industry replete with challenges, and I'm kind of that's that's me being positive. Um, some California market dynamics. We are as a company truly evaluating whether California is a road to nowhere for Fable, or if it's a market that re we can really make work. Um, navigating complexity at the macro level, and then the, the path forward. Okay. I need your name. What's your name at the back? So I don't... Patrick. All right. So this is Fable. Um, and and the, the vision for Fable was to build a true alcohol alternative beverage. And I know you've heard that probably multiple times today, but we dissected at length um, what an alcohol alternative beverage should be. And you get into the bites, the viscosity, the, the flavor profile, uh, the way it unravels on the tongue. Um, all these things make a Hendrix a Hendrix, or a whiskey, a Lagavulin, a Lagavulin. So we knew that we wanted to make something that people would sip, people would, would savor, people would um, drink socially. Um, and the path to getting there was, as I say, four or five years. But the vision was very much to build a, an alcohol alternative product. And I'm going to be very transparent with, with you guys that the exit strategy is Diageo. It's a LVMH, Diageo, um, big alcohol holding group, probably in the spirit world versus the beer world, six to seven years from now. So from the first brick we lay down and how we act as a company and how we um, have our values and our branding and our activation to the last... We have to act as if we're a Diageo company uh, right now. So the platform that we, um, we talk about internally 
is uh, 5.30 is the new 4.20, and I hope I don't need to describe this, but, you know, I think beverages can be many things to many people, right? There are people that drink a coffee in the morning with cannabis in it. There are people that pick up a four-pack on the way to a pool party in, in, in Malibu. Um, we want to stay true to what we are. Uh, Fable is probably not a Coachella brand. Uh, but it might be a Aspen Food and Wine Festival brand. It might be a Monterey Food and, and Wine Festival brand. This could be a brand that is served in a barn in Napa with music and with food and with great people. So understanding where we fit in the use occasion of alcohol alternative is really important for us such that we remain kind of focused on what it is we want to do. And the product development values that we built into the brand, and, and, and we used a, a nationally recognized food and beverage development company. Um, it took me six months to convince them to do this. You know, they work with Danone and Red Bull and Starbucks, and I walked in and said, well, we want to make a cannabis drink, and it was like, hello? But when we got to show them the vision, Slowly but surely, they elevated it to their board, and their board took a chance, as long as they never had to touch the, the THC, which brings our friends at Vitosa into the mix. But we wanted to be credible. I've talked about that. We wanted to use real ingredients, um, truly botanical ingredients. Uh, we wanted to deliver a positive and predictable experience. And we wanted to embrace global beverage trends. The trends at the time were Southeast Asian flavors were trending. Uh, bitters were trending. And bear in mind, this was four years ago. Mixology was starting to trend. We saw bars across the land actually taking the time to, to mix on the spot with herbs and botanicals and spices. So this was some of the, the, the values that we put into the drink. And I share this with you, um, not just to peacock, but to show you how hard and how resilient we needed to be to stick to this. Because believe you me, this was not the quickest path to market. Okay. Uh, there were four drinks. Um, one is, is um, citrus-based. Uh, one is ginger. Um, uh, one has ginger, uh, blackberry, uh, cucumber, spearmint, aftertones. Another one is a little warm, a white oak, a little... A little small taste of kind of vanilla, cinnamon. These things all have about eight or nine real botanical ingredients in each one, and they were developed with the taste implication of THC in mind. So we didn't get to a point in time where we built these cocktails, and now we have to mask the, the, the natural taste of THC with another ingredient. We built it knowing what that taste implication was like. They are not mixers, but they can be mixed, and we. We encourage our consumer to mix and to share and mix again. Um, but I want you to think of Fable like you were a, a bottle of Hendrix. You can buy it and you can drink it. It doesn't have to be refrigerated, but we think it's served best chilled. Um, and there are implications to the rollout of Fable. For example, we know in the South, um, taste palettes trend slightly sweeter than they do in the North. Sunnier climates... Uh, tend to gravitate more to sativa, whereas darker seasonal climates slightly more indica. So when we look at the, the product roadmap, we have Maine, Massachusetts, New York in mind for one skew. We have Arizona, California in mind for another skew. 
So we're trying in our product development roadmap to put the consumer uh, and the consumer insight at the center of absolutely everything we do. So the biggest stress that we have had as a company, as I said, is staying the course. Because in between the inception of Fable and today, um, something happened, and it was called White Claw. And I, I was telling people people didn't drink. I said, people don't drink water to get drunk. People won't drink water to get high. And lo and behold, got that one completely wrong. Um, but as I said, you know, six rounds of consumer focus group testing. Fable was previously called Able. And it was a consumer and a focus group that said, don't like the name. And we like, shit, you're absolutely right. That's the most offensive name in the world. What were we thinking? So, so, so in every round of consumer te- uh, f- uh, focus group testing, the recipe changed, the communication changed, the packaging changed, the name even changed. Um, two rounds of shelf life testing, five reformulations for hot fill, for coal fill, for tunnel pasteurization, for extract, for botanical blend. And this isn't us being disorganized. This is us reacting to a moving manufacturing target. We can do that. Yeah, we can. No problem. We t- turns out you can't. And we've already done the testing on it. So this has been a labor of love. Um, we are, are very fond of our manufacturer. Uh, we have come too far at this point in time to divorce. Um, but, you know, in the time it's, it's taken, there's been uh, two kids born, a new dog, and lo and behold, I think my, my biggest um, sense of pride is my co-founder and I are still married. And believe you me, that has been harder than, than uh, you would think. Um, so the more complicated the drink, the more problems you have down the line. Uh, sediment, pH, the effect of heat, Cardamine drops to the bottom. Cardamine binds to the THC. That's going to fail testing. Do we get rid of the cardamine or do we double down on cardamine? All these things have taken years and years and years. And all along the way, we have seen brand after brand after brand launch. Um, And there's a reason, and I'm not being derogatory. I have an awful lot of respect for everybody that has launched a brand. But there is a reason that 90% of the beverages on the market are seltzer waters. It's because it's, in the grand scheme of things, easy. Um, So keep that in mind. The more complex the drink, the more challenges you have. There is no precedent for a lot of this stuff. So we are dealing with with challenges every day, and I I assume I'm preaching to, to the choir here. Um, supply chain you know, maturation is, is a challenge. Um, the, the distribution landscape, the retail landscape, wasn't built for beverages. We have had um, distributors that I would love to work with say, you know what, this is heavy. We can get 14 boxes of flour in the same space. We can get 100 of your bottles. Uh, We've had distributors vanish. You know, the distributors I was talking to two years ago, none of them exist anymore. Um, The uh, sales side of the business is hard. We had a sales agency, say, a year ago. um, For $20,000, we can get you into more dispensaries than anybody else. And I, being the optimist, said, Krista, we've got to sign this now. And my wife 
who was a State Department risk analyst, said, well, hang, hang on, hang on a minute. You know, is there a scope? Is there a metric, success metrics? Is there accountability? And when you reverse engineered the $20,000 a month into economics and beverage data, it, it was impossible to ever get an ROI. 12 months down the line, they took 15 brands on, 14 brands declined in sales, 15th brand shut up, it's their brand. And that's what we're up against. And that might be a dirty secret, and I will never mention company names, but, but you have to determine across the supply chain who the partners are, the true partners, and who are saying, we want to grow the industry, but we're going to take whatever we can get from you as quickly as we can get it. And you know what? If you fail, there's 15 more companies right behind you. And Vitosa have been the best company we've worked with, collaborative, um, uh, gamer packaging, collaborative, you know, solution-oriented, um, helping companies work through these issues. There are great companies out there, but if you're launching a beverage, just ask yourself, are they, are they in this for the long run? Are they, do they have our business in mind, or you know, is this a quick buck? Um, product development we've talked about. Uh, I want to address bottom line growth. You know, we know that there are beverages out there that are losing money. And I have a responsibility to my investors. My job is very, very simple. It's to add value to this organization and it's to survive. Um, and the, the appetite, the, the risk in jumping in because these guys are in market. These guys are in market. Now, there's another guy. Well, shit, we need 20 grand for that agency. We're going to go, 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 California. That is a real, real instinctive reaction. But if you can't make money in dispensaries in California because a product that costs $4 to make ends up costing the consumer $30 because there's 20% here and there's 150% here, and there's 40% tax. And you're looking at the sales data and you juxtapose the cost of your product with the sales data that says people want to pay $8 for 1,000 milligrams and Fable is $30 for 12 milligrams. It's easy to, to kill yourself trying. So bottom line growth, I think, is something we need to keep in mind. I think there is a fool's errand if you join the masses. There are brands out there that have the capital to lose money for the next three years and good for them. But we are not that company, sadly. So we need to be very specific with the retailers that we work with. We want collaborative relationships. Um, and we want to double down on DTC because DTC gives back a margin that makes the whole enterprise economical. And I'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, and then the regulation. You know, regulation is, is what it is. I don't think I need to stand here and, and talk about the regulatory kind of headwinds. But the one thing I will say is we learned from Colorado. Uh, the company is based in Denver. Um, don't jump into a market for the first 12 months because the target is doing that. Just wait. Be the fifth brand 
12 months in, don't be the first brand. Because if you make a product with packaging, and that packaging regulation changes 15 times in one year, and you don't have the money or the capital to throw 15,000 units to the side because it says cocktail, and you can't say cocktail anymore, then that's a major pitfall that's easily avoided if you're diligent and you just take a breather. And as Rick said this morning, you, know, you remember that this is the first leg in a, in a long, long race. So I, I, I do want to talk about California, but I'm going to remain true to something the gentleman said before. This is not the California Cannabis Expo. It's the Cannabis Beverage Expo. Um, we, we, we've told our investors for two years that we're going to launch in California, so I've got to launch in California. <laughs> um, but as I say, I see a path to fable not being here if we act the wrong way in California, and I've shared some economics with you. Um, the, the juxtaposition between consumer trend and what a consumer will pay versus an addressable market that Fable can, can deliver a solution for is, is, is a fine line. And for California, there is a mismatch, I believe, today in, in general, with distributor and retailer preferences on beverages. Now, what do I mean by that? We, we all know that there are some retailers like Sweet Flower who, God bless them, are leading the way and driving the category forward. But there are, there are an awful lot of dispensaries and distributors who won't take the burden of a beverage on. If they do take the burden of a beverage on, who can I rely on in the dispensary to say, hey, are you having a dinner party? Fable has 15 real ingredients. It's built with the bite and viscosity of an alcoholic cocktail. You can have three of them and you can be okay. You know, who's my guy or gal at that front, front of the, the sales process to, to pass on that message? And then there's the, the physical limitations of beverages in retail, um, you know, do we have shopper marketing practices uh, where we can educate people at point of sale, where we can differentiate the brand at point of sale? I, today, not really. Um, maybe one day, perhaps. Um, consumer, we've talked about the consumer. I do want to again stress that the consumer changes based on geography. Um, we have a product roadmap that takes into account uh, sweeter palates in the south. Um, more savory palates in the north, uh, a consumer that is inactive in the main today. Um, yeah, we talk about my, you know, my mom being a fable consumer. She might be. You know, all our parents might be fable consumers, but she's not getting in a car and going to a dispensary on Colfax Avenue in Denver to buy a fable. So how do we connect with this vast addressable audience, this this cannabis curious audience who is at the same time drinking less alcohol. Um, it, we get into branding and we get into activation strategies and I'll talk about that momentarily. Um, and then look, one more note on retail. Um, they're being overwhelmed right now with new products. It's a seller's market right now. Um, and I believe as an industry, we have all been somewhat... Um, 
enraptured by the promise of California. But I want to I share something with, with you guys. I think the most successful case study in cannabis beverage today is Levia in Massachusetts. Because what they did is they built a great product. They stayed focused on their market. They hired people from within that market, and they owned that market. And they make, what, a million dollars a quarter or more, uh, $85 million exit, because they remain focused on, on where they are. So for a company CEO, with the, the glamour of, of California and its 40 million people and its you know, um, disposable, disposable income, and all true, but again, balance that with everybody's going into California, do we win being the 35th brand in California right now? So we're looking at other markets, and I can address that uh, here. We're looking at, of all places, Vermont. Uh, I'm really excited about Vermont. Uh, two reasons. I can build an agile supply chain in Vermont. I can build a supply chain with manufacturers today in Vermont. So I can go to our manufacturer and say, hey, look, we want to use this use case, uh, this package format, and this package format. This package format, a can, requires a different emulsion from Vitosa than this package. Are we good there? What about the platform ends at the facility? Can we handle the, the end caps? There are so many implications to a bottle or a can that people don't see. Um, when building these horizontal supply chains, that it, it's crazy. Um, so I'm gonna, I'll be transparent with you guys. The company that will be producing Fable in Vermont is a distressed brewery. You have brewery guys who know how to make drinks moving into cannabis, and you have cannabis entrepreneurs figuring out how to make drinks for the first time, and then you've got the in-between. So... Uh, for us, uh, very, very flexible legal framework, um, ability to, co, uh, to collaborate with our horizontal supply chain, and strategically, who goes to Vermont every weekend? I'll tell you right now, it's people that live in Manhattan. And Manhattan and Massachusetts is the hockey stick for Fable. And I think three years from now is probably the time. Um, Fable is an East Coast kind of brand. Um, and I don't want to talk myself out of California, uh, but I think for us, the hockey stick moment will be the East Coast. So as you're driving up uh, the turnpike to Vermont for the weekend and you see an advert like this by the side of the road and you're invited into a brewery where incidentally you can consume and be entertained and we can capture that content and turn the flywheel and bring the lifestyle to life and echo that across other states and regionalize the brand, then, you know, I, that's what keeps me, keeps me going. And then Massachusetts is another one. Um, you know, just an example of how we look to regionalize, um, you know, the advertising and speak to people in the, in the state that they're in. Okay. So, as I say, you know, this, my, my hairline goes back by the, by the month in this industry. Um, this has been a lot harder than we thought, and it, it, we knew it would be hard. Um, and there are additional complexities and challenges that have popped up along the way. 
The first is the polarizing political landscape. Um, I know there's, there's some folks in the room that are very sophisticated marketers from, from a marketing background. Marketing doesn't start and end with an Instagram post. Yeah, and I know you guys know that. But if we look at the industry as a whole, and we lined up every Instagram post from every beverage and put them on a wall, I don't think a brand would pop out. I, I, I don't. I think it would be a sea of sameness. It would be bright colors. It would be flamingo, inflatable flamingos in swimming pools, bottles on beaches. You know, it, 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 it's easy to do. It, it, it's easy to do, believe me. Um, so how do you echo the sentiment of the country? How do you build a brand and a company with the agility to, to act fluidly at the, at the pace of culture? Uh, we're investing in social listening tools. We're investing in um, platforms that allow us to scrape insights as they're happening across the world and turn the, the brand on a dial in, in addressing that insight. We're looking at hiring people that reflect a new value schema. Um, and we can do that. And that's the, the great thing about not being Diageo, is we can make these decisions. We're small enough to, to do this. Uh, changing consumer preferences is, um, is, is hard. I think this gives rise to the power of DTC. If we look at the uh, evolution in commerce over the, the pandemic, uh, people are um, very comfortable now living and buying online. Uh, so why should it be different for our industry? Uh, we are working with um, an e-commerce platform, Ginger, here in, in California, such that somebody can go on to drinkfable.com, they can buy the product, and they can get that product delivered to them in a day. Um, we are a one-year-old company, so we can build the infrastructure that the J&Js and the P&Gs are struggling with because they're so big. Um, and then the, the, the preferences, there's a lot of uh, obvious data around. There's also, if you look at consumer data, uh, a nugget around me moments. Uh, there's a cereal, I think it's Cheerios, that sells the little marshmallows in the, in the box. You can now buy those marshmallows as a standalone because what the pandemic has given rise to is I will be healthy. I will get on the Peloton. We've not, well, our Peloton has been used twice in eight months. Um, but people are getting on Pelotons, they are eating healthy, but they are also taking their me moment. Fable is a me moment brand. There is sugar in Fable. It's cane sugar. There's no syrups, there's no glucose syrup or any of that stuff. But we need the sugar because of the viscosity. You take the sugar away, you've got a seltzer water. You add the sugar, you get the viscosity of an alcoholic drink. That's why it's there. And that's okay, because our consumer on the Friday night or on the Thursday night will take a me moment with Fable, we hope. Um, the constrained supply chain, our labels have gone up 7% in the last week. Our cans have been offshored to, sorry, our, our Nordic bottle has been offshored to India. It cost $1.25 six months ago. Today it costs $1.70 with the distribution markup, the retailer markup, the sales tax, that difference equates to about four bucks for the consumer. So back to the, the consumer buying habits. Um, a can is cheap. A can is hard to get. We're sweating on 290,000 cans in the port of Orange County right now. 
Um, people have said to me, you in a cannery in a bottle, we can build an, ag an agile supply chain. So for dispensaries, likely going to be in a can. Why? Because distributors want something that's lighter and easier to carry. We can react to the supply chain. DTC, events, weddings, we can sell the bottle. So looking at form factor and then aligning that with market, with consumer, with distribution channel, we may have a different Nordic-sized bottle next time we, we all meet. And that's because we can be agile to the environment ar around us. Um, labor issues we all know about. I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. Um, we're already seeing this in the industry. Um, I know for a fact that there's four or five beverage companies now without a can. Um, and that's partly because product is stuck in the port of Orange County. Uh, there's no truck drivers. There's no delivery drivers. So what's the new normal? How do you build a company to address the new normal today? And how do you take those learnings into additional states to remain as flexible and as agile as possible? I may not need 290,000 cans, but I'm going to get them to Vermont because I don't see this ending anytime in the next two years. Um, and then, as I say, inflation is real. Uh, the the um, challenge with having a product with nine ingredients is they can all go up, and they do. Um, and that's something we're going to need to pay off through our marketing. Um, will people buy it? I, I, I can't look you in the eye and say absolutely they will. I, I, I'm going to back the company, but it's going to require education. It's going to require content that pays off the premium positioning um, and integrity of Fable, uh, and then that lifestyle association as well. So finally, the road ahead. Um, we will be the differentiated brand as much as I possibly can. Um, I would push everybody to look beyond the product shop. That is the pimple on the elephant's backside of marketing. Um, we have the ability to build um, a level of automation. We have the, the ability to act at the speed of culture. Uh, we have the ability to really bring something that provides a unique experience to life through events and content. Um, we have the ability to build a uh, consumer at the center brand, which means having a CRM platform, uh, talking to consumers on a one-to-one -one basis, starting to understand their preferences, bringing them into the feedback loop as best you can. Um, and then for Fable, we're going to own the 5.30 use occasion. Uh, if you're waking up at 10 a.m. and popping a fable, then I think there's a, there's a bigger issue. But I will say to you all day long, 5.30 every night, I will meet you anywhere you want to be and we'll enjoy golden hour together um, with, with a fable. As far as retail goes, we're going to avoid price wars as best we can. Um, we're going to focus on collaborative retail. Um, we have a very uh, competent manufacturer who... Um, wants to do things the right way in Tinley. Uh, so I'm confident we're going to have a great product. Um, and we're going to advance shopper marketing practices. There's an awful lot we can bring to retailers uh, to rise the tide for beverages as a whole. If we find the right retailers, we can redesign walls for all brands if we're given the opportunity. Um, I've talked about consumer. Uh, we're going to keep the consumer at the center. Uh, and then as far as market expansion goes, 
Um, we've talked about the geographic influence of Fable from a taste profile standpoint. But we're going to look to build agile supply chains. Um, we're going to take a page out of Levia's book. Um, we respect and ex are excited by California, but there is a whole country out there beyond California. So, you know, we died trying isn't a success story for, for my investors. Um, so Vermont, you know, excites me as much as this giant state that we're in right now. And then finally, um, from a formulation and packaging standpoint, we have to remain fluid. And I'd say to everybody, you know, you may have aspirations to be in a can or a bottle or a 750 mil bottle, but we are going to run into more and more supply chain issues. We're going to run into more and more labor issues, and inflation is real. So just keep flexible, keep all options open, and work with a manufacturer that understands this and can pivot as well as these market dynamics kind of continue to change. Uh, that, that's it. Um, so really appreciate you guys listening and uh, happy to take, take any questions. If you could raise your hand and I'll come around with the microphone. Thank you. Um, great presentation. Thank you very much. Um, I really appreciated your um, description of the challenges. And I, I was just curious uh, if you were comfortable commenting on, you know, how that's all related to your invested capital to date and, you know, any, anything you feel comfortable saying about, you know, your investors and, and you know, the use of funds. Yeah, no problem. Um, so we've, we've struggled from an investment standpoint to hit the next level up because we're not in market. Um, yeah. And we're not in market because we have stayed true to the vision of the brand. Um, and our manufacturer, I know Rick's in the room, has stayed true to the vision of the brand. Rick and I have had many conversations. Hey, should we stick Velcroin in this thing? Should we take this down a notch or two and put a, put a seltzer water out there? Um, should we remove the botanicals because of the sediment issues? And I'm proud of the, the fable side and I'm proud of our investors for saying, no way. Because they see where we're going and they believe in the industry maturing and they see the point of difference. But of course, the $10 million valuation versus the $5 million valuation has been hard because we can't say we've sold a million units. So that, that's been a headwind. Um, we've raised a, a decent seed round. We're, we're well capitalized for the next two years. But to your question on use of funds, when push comes to shove, and the gentleman to the, to the left of you will agree with this, this is going to be a brand game more than anything. Differentiate yourself for sure, but our use of funds predominantly will be in activating this brand um, and doing it in a, in a way that separates Fable from, from the herd as best we can. So in one regard, unlike a tech firm, I don't have 50 coders in the Ukraine saying, you owe me you know, this, this week's salary. We have hard costs. We have very little overheads. Um, our manufacturing costs are, are, are accounted for. It really is the pay-to-play capital um, that I think we we would we would. That's the interesting conversation. Let me say. Thank you. No worries. You, you've talked about multiple states, and obviously each state you got to find 
different people to put your product together. How difficult has it been to find the manufacturing in all these different states and to keep it in your guys' uh, the way of doing things at each spot? Um, it, it, it's getting easier. Something that's a, a silver lining for us is we're being told more and more by retailers and manufacturers, it's a good job you guys aren't seltzer. If you were a seltzer, we wouldn't take the call. There's a real, tr truly sincere curiosity as to what we've, we've made. And if I take um, you know, my friend Matt in Maine, Novel Beverage, he, he's, he's keen to produce this because it's different. Um, the folks at Levia, this is different. It's not cannibalizing Levia, it's adding a new use occasion to the industry. And that's what I hear more than anything from this group. You know, let's grow the industry. Well, there's doing and there's speaking, right? Uh, and if there's differentiation and if there's innovation and if the, the manufacturing partners can continue to fuel innovation and if the dispensaries can continue to fuel innovation, then we will see differentiated brands appear. Um, New York, I feel happy about. Um, we are partnering with a CBD company, a, a cider family. Um, I've, I've mentioned Vermont. Uh, I, I do think the distressed assets appearing on the market from the brewery world, the macro brewery world, will kind of come, come in to save the day a little bit. And these guys are willing to build the line based on the formula, which is so refreshing. Um, now, Vermont won't go, won't go live until next summer, but if California has taught me anything, it's get ahead of the problems, uh, don't panic, you know, play the long game. Um, so I feel good about the East Coast. I don't feel good about the, the Midwest. Uh, there are additional complexities there uh, with shelf life stability and how long you have to test something before you even get into, into market. But I'm hoping we can start to, to build that Midwest, the relationships here shortly. Come on over. Hey, Ben. Hi, David. Um, I'm curious. I really love what you said before about starting in Vermont, understanding a migration that people do during the winter, go from Manhattan up to Vermont. Um, I have lots of friends that do that. I have lots of friends that do that all year round to, to go to Massachusetts right now to get their cannabis products. So I love that you're thinking that way. Um, are there any other migration paths, if you will, you know, that you're looking at that, that sort of help um, a multi-state strategy, you know, as, as built into the brand and, and sort of leveraging these migrational paths of people going to recreational areas or to different places that leverage into the brand, that work into the brand strategy? Um, it's a good question. Off the top of my head, David, I, I think I'd be BSing you if I said we thought about it more than the, the upper northeast. Um, at a, on a micro level, we've thought that through in California. I think Fable may be more at home in Northern California. Uh, the Napa migration pattern, that, that weekend where there's food, entertainment, socializing, um, th th than it would in certain areas of California. Um, we are looking at Florida, of course. Um, I think I, I mentioned earlier there are certain skews that accommodate the palates of the South more so than the, the, the North. So we're looking at, at that. Um, but from a, a pure migration pattern standpoint, 
and one thing that we've learned is don't bite off more than you can chew. You know, there is this balance between getting ahead of the market and remaining focused. Um, I think the, the New York, Vermont, Massachusetts main corridor, if done well, will, will get us to the next kind of metric that we need to get to as a company. California, you pivoted to, to Vermont, and are you, is, I guess, a partner here? Yeah, exactly right. And somebody asked Rick this morning, you know, I don't worry about consistency because this formula is, is a formula. It's like a maths equation at this point in time. Um, we would work with Vitosa wherever we went. Um, and they are making inroads from an emulsion standpoint on the East Coast. Um, but you're absolutely right. You are looking at horizontal supply chains in every state uh, again and again and again. Um, and we've identified those partners on, on the East Coast. Um, per your question, we are absolutely launching in California. I just think it's a considered launch. I think if you'd have asked me that question a year ago, I'd have thrown $20,000 at a company to get us into as many dispensaries as possible. But if I'd have done that, I'd probably have killed the company. So I think our approach to California is find the right partners, find the right collaborators, make sure that Fable is in the right stores, and then double down on DTC uh, using Ginger, such that we can, when possible, mitigate the risk of, of drowning the brand in retail, um, getting involved in a price war in, in retail. So if there are any retailers in the room, we want to be as collaborative as you will allow us to be. Um, um, so, so right now we're, we're pre-revenue, we are not retailing until we have a tunnel pasteurization line operational, which is operational now and going through final testing. So our on-shelf date is Jan 1 uh, of next year. Um, our plan for, uh, as far as cost goes, the 12 ounce bottle, Nordic bottle, is going to be in or around $20, um, which is more expensive than other beverages. And this is the thing that gives me heartburn. We've made a product that I think it warrants the price, but that isn't to say people are going to walk in there and buy it, right? And we're going to have to learn, like, fail fast. Uh, the uh, can. Um, is a 19 cent cost of goods versus a $1.67 cost of goods packaging wise allows us to bring the cost of Fable down to $14, $15 for a 12 ounce can. So that's the, 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 the price through retail. DTC may be different. Um, I, I think it's, it goes back to, you, you can only mitigate risks to, to a point, right? Um, I, I think it starts, and we've had this conversation today, I think it starts with finding a retailer that is open, even if we have to pay, is open to evolving the presence of Fable in that store. Because if we're given a shelf, if we're given a wall, 
um, if we understand the tension uh, as to why somebody isn't buying something, that they're all things you can address with, with sh- good old-fashioned shopper marketing. Um, but the bigger concern for me is, is our consumer going into that store? Um, and in some cases they are, and in some cases they aren't. And then taking a, a step back again, can we get consumers into that store? Um, I think we can. I think there are means and ways of doing that. So what, what we'd like to do is sit down with retailers, look at the shopper journey, look at the profile of the consumer, have an honest chat. And if the, if the retailer wins and we win, then that's, that's a, a home run. Now, now what, what's the translation of winning? Okay, we're, cap, we're well capitalized to build the awareness of Fable for a certain length of time. Um, we're not capitalized to train the consumer that forever Fable is going to cost this when we're losing money per unit on that, on that COGS. So you said the right word, mate. It's, it's balance, and we're open to failing fast and, uh, again, incorporating these feedback loops into the model. But it starts with ensuring that we're in the right stores, in the right neighborhoods, with a product for the right consumer, uh, and then the rest is good old-fashioned activation. Paolo. If you just went heavy and like, let's say, just D2C or smaller regional, and you got penetration in a small regional market or just D2C, would that be attractive to Diageo? Because then they could just pull gas on the fire and see if you have traction in the chosen market. Um, the first thing I want to say is, is I don't want anybody leaving here thinking that Diageo are buying Fable. Um, I, you know, aspirationally, that's oh, who we're... They, they will. Thanks, buddy. Um, <laughs> that's who we're, we're, you know, gearing up for. Um, Look, Diageo buy brands, okay, and the EBITDA multiple on an alcohol acquisition on the low end, Mike's Hard Lemonade is 15x EBITDA. On the high end, the George Clooney tequila, it's closer to 25 to 30x EBITDA. Um, George Clooney's tequila didn't have anywhere near the volume that a Patron had. They bought the brand knowing that if they could plug that brand into an existing infrastructure, the, the volume comes in, in days. Um, so the, the, the case study for Fable is Seedlip, a non-alcoholic spirit, um, 51% owned by Diageo. Um, we are a long way from that point. Uh, they want federal legalization. There are certain revenue targets. Um, but the answer, I think, is no. I think we protect the brand, actually, mate, uh, at all costs, uh, even if it comes at the expense of volume. But the balance is we have to show momentum. We have to show adoption. We have to show some success metrics. You know? And that's, the bal- that's my job, is to find that balance.